0: What is going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Tatro Radio. We've got an interview show for you today and it's a, I think, a really exciting one because I'm talking to the artist known as Neon Vines and she is such a dope Ableton Live performer, controller and gear fanatic just like I am and we get into a lot of the details about how she crafts her like really high level Ableton Live and looping performances, her history with music, how learning the marimba like significantly impacted her playing with something like the board. There's a ton of gems in this interview and I hope you enjoy it. If you want to watch one of these interviews live, you can tune in every Tuesday for Tatro Talks on youtube.com slash Tatro or youtube.com slash 343 Labs. The show is live every tuesday and you can chime in and ask questions for the guest and sometimes we do call-in shows as well so i highly recommend you tune in live but for now here is the interview with neon vines check it out Well, here we go. Neon Vines, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here what, today.
1: Uh, what's up, you guys? How's everyone doing? Hope everybody's Yo. good.
0: Yo, uh, we, I'm we're happy talking... to
1: be here. Thank you for asking me to be here, by the way.
0: For sure. This is dope. I, I was like running through my list of like, who are the epic Ableton Live performers? You know, we've had some great guests already, and I was like, whoa, we need to get Neon Vines on the show. I've seen your videos. I've definitely seen you live at some trade show as well. So, like, I've seen I saw you, you in- at
1: NAM, but I didn't talk to you there.
0: Why didn't we talk at Nam?
1: I don't know. I but saw you and you were talking to someone. And I, I don't know.
0: Now we'll never happen. be able to meet in person again because of our, the current situation. <laughs> I know,
1: right? We missed, we missed
0: it. That's anyway. I'm stoked to have you. The audience seems stoked that you're here. Uh, we were just yeah. talking about this off air, but I mentioned that you're probably the first guest that maybe has like more controllers and more gear than I do. And I think people are stoked about that. <laughs> Dude, uh,
1: any excuse to talk about gear, I'm down.
0: Absolutely. Like, and I'm excited sure. to get into that for sure. And Definitely. I want to remind everybody, if you do have questions and they pop up, Make sure you throw them in the chat because i am watching and monitoring the chat and we would love to include you all um yeah for sure. i don't know how to start this i like to start uh, these interviews a lot of the times asking the artists or uh, well, talking about how like we're performers we create content um, we produce yep. music like it's such like a wide web of things so my first question mm-hmm. uh, for you is like when people ask you, like, hey, what do you do? Like, how do you describe what you do? Oh how God. do you define yourself? So
1: I had to, like, rehearse this because yeah. for a while I'm like, okay, I can't be stuttering over this question. That's, like, the most basic question for someone to get to know you. So I just say I'm an electronic music producer and multi-instrumentalist, so I play yeah. a couple cool things. And I just go into, like, the seaboard or something like that and try to mm-hmm. explain that. But it's, um, it's not an easy title to convey, especially to somebody that's not in that world because it's a pretty niche, like – you know, play it's the world
0: and overwhelming at the same time for sure. Yeah. yeah
1: but I don't know. It's, it's, you have to wear a lot of hats, which you know this for sure, but it's like you kind of need split personality disorder to pull all Absolutely.
0: this off. Absolutely. Like, constantly I playing mean, different roles,
1: the creative hat and then the technical hat with mixing and everything like that. And then the whole video production and stuff like that. It's Yeah it's a pretty, pretty demanding. It's a lot lot of fun, but it's definitely a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I want to get into a little bit of like how you started, because obviously you're an amazing performer. I'm assuming there's some training there. Do you want to maybe talk about like your origins and just music in general? Like, is there a pre-electronic music phase for you that kind of started you off?
1: To me, it's still pretty crazy where I am right now, considering like where I've come from. So for me, it was classical piano at age six.
0: Wow. My parents just
1: forced me to do it and I kind of hated it, to be honest with you. I'd like cry before lessons and like Why is that everybody's,
0: everybody Dude, says that. The,
1: the way they teach piano is, is a disaster. It really yeah. is. Like it's kind of a miracle that I persisted through that and like found my own way to enjoy music um, rather than being forced to do it like by some formula. But anyway, it was a very valuable thing to do. Um, Just wasn't particularly enjoyable. Um, then I got into drums at age eight. And drums I consider to be my foundation to everything I do now. Cool. I was in drumline, did uh competed in a world class drumline actually and played Marimba, which is super random. But
0: oh nice. So you went to one of those high schools that had like epic, you know, like music program like drumline?
1: Yeah, but actually in high school a college drumline recruited me. So I was starting to, I was like split oh, wow. between high school and then college. It was like a lot at that time but um yeah that's intense played, yeah it was pretty intense I played marimba which I don't know if you know what that is but like yeah I did four mallet marimba so I had four uh, mallets two in each hand and I feel like the skills I learned in learning marimba really apply to the seaboard interestingly because wow. it's a lot of body awareness the seaboard's like Super sensitive, obviously. So you have to be Mm -hmm. really precise in how you're playing it. And with marimba, we're taught to move to be exactly centered with where we're playing. So, I feel like because I learned marimba, it it helped me pick up the C board faster. Which, you know, is kind of an interesting.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. I don't
1: I don't really know why, but anyway. Um. So after drums, piano, I went to college just completely like. I didn't really do much with music in college, honestly. I just studied psychology Um, after college. I'm like, okay, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like, let's yeah. just, let's, uh, for a while I, I sang in a wedding band. So I was the lead vocalist in a wedding band in DC and we were booked like two years out. So we were doing pretty well, but I freaking hated it. Like it was the worst job, like singing, living on a prayer journey. Yes, don't stop all the wedding like,
0: classics.
1: You, okay, you will lose your mind slowly over time. <laughs>
0: Um, I did a little just, bit of that, a little the cover band like scene, like uh, oh a 90s cover band at one point, which is like, you know, yes. almost the same kind of vibe.
1: I did an 80s one. That's funny.
0: Did you, but, um were you a music major in college? Like, did you go right from? I
1: tried that briefly for a year, but it was the same kind of visceral reaction that I had to piano lessons. Just the structure, um, the lack of freedom, the lack of creativity. It's music, yeah. dude. It's freaking art. Like, why are we treating this like? I don't know.
0: It's it's like I, it's a little so bit of a history relate. lesson. Like you have to learn yeah. this material in this way, and it's very yeah. regimented. And this is the only thing that exists. It's like it's like it's ignores terrible. the entire industry, basically. Yeah. The actual industry no. that's happening.
1: It's like, dude, uh, I I could go on a rant for that for, for real. Sure. But like you know, luckily, I realized that if I keep doing this, if, if I studied music in college, I feel like it would make me less likely to be where I am now. Um, Interesting enough. So I just did it my own way. And then after college, I was like, I got to get a job. So I worked as an emergency service coordinator. Um, So basically, got emergency service calls over the phone, most stressful job ever. And during that, during doing that for a year, it made me realize. Dear Jesus, I need to do music. Like, I I needed it more than ever. I didn't realize uh, how badly I needed it in my life. Then when I couldn't do it, I would take my full-size 88-key keyboard in my car and practice during lunch break, like, bring my guitar, practice, and I just realized, like, I, I need to do this. So yeah. I, I told, you know, I put in my two-weeks notice, and I pretty much just closed my eyes, pointed my finger on a map, and was like, I'm going to move to Austin. I'm just going to see what happens. I've heard good things about Austin didn't know a single person there, um, had never been there before, but I was like, I'm going to make it work. So and
0: showed where were up you from originally? DC. So from DC to Austin. Yeah. That's quite yeah. the, quite the move.
1: It was like probably the best decision I ever made though. Um, yeah,
0: that's amazing. Yeah. That takes a leap yeah. of faith. Did you feel it like did. super nervous in that moment? Did you I, have a plan I going wasn't to Austin? Nervous like...
1: Because I needed a change so badly that I was like embracing it fully and like, the Austin music scene, they had a lot of like electronic acoustic hybrid performances that were really intriguing to me. They'd have somebody playing violin and and have a launch pad in front of them. I'm like, what nice. is that colorful thing? I didn't know anything about Ableton. Like this is three years ago, by the way. I didn't know anything about Ableton. I didn't know anything three
0: about- Three
1: years ago? Yeah, dude. Like wow. I got obsessed as hell with this. But I mean, I've, I've been aware of that stuff, but definitely- you know, I started pretty much from scratch when I moved to Austin. That's amazing. And then, yeah. What was inspiring to me was just like the potential of music technology and gear and what you can do with it. And like, it just blew my mind and it, it just sparked this infatuation that I can't shake now. So yeah. the first thing I got was the MPCX. That was like, a huge investment for me. It's like $2,600 with the coverage you get with it or whatever. And that was like all the money I had when I moved to Austin. I'm like, I'm doing this, dude. Huge. If I need to return it, I have 30 days to return to Guitar Center. That's where I got it from. And luckily, like, you know, after two weeks of hating my life, I finally started to, to pick it up. And that's the thing that I, I tell people is like, it sucks at first. Learning it anything does. new, yes. it's rough. Like, you have to fight the urge to to give up and for me i have this like built in that voice that's like are you going to give up you yeah. you can't give up like i'll be going to sleep at night and be like no i'm not going to let this defeat me and get out of bed and keep working it's like that's the only way i've i've been able to get to where i am because i don't yeah let the process defeat me, I guess.
0: And what I tell people, like, cause I get a lot of beginners and like intermediate on the show, people just starting out. I, I say like, you have to embrace the fact that if you're just starting out, you're about to make the worst music that you're ever gonna make.
1: <laughs> it's, and yeah, that's okay. You like, can't barely even make music. Like, yeah,
0: exactly. You have
1: to just acknowledge that. I couldn't even get sound out of my doll for like <laughs> five days, dude. Like it was. And
0: you come from having such terrible. a strong musical background too. <laughs> exactly, um, it's just
1: so frustrating. A lot of folks I mean uh, yeah.
0: They have the battle of like some folks have no musical background, no production background, and just trying to just start somewhere like so rough. Yes. It's tough. But everybody goes through it.
1: I mean, everybody, you know, workflow is like the key term everyone talks about, but it's so it's everything. Seriously, if you can't get your ideas out smoothly without, you know, obstacles getting in the way, without getting distracted by technical issues and stuff like that, you're never gonna be able to make music. So you have to put the time in before being able to be creative. That's a luxury. That's, that's something that comes after putting the work in the shitty work of like learning, you know, the gear, whatever the gear, the software, whatever it might be um, as much as you can before trying to get creative with it. Cause if you dive in thinking, Oh, I'm going to make cool beats. I want to make a beat. You're going to get, you're going to get frustrated, you know, and if you get frustrated, you give up. So I've learned, Um, through many failures, that the difference between the gear that's glistening in the light and the gear that has dust on it is the time I put in before turning it on to learn about it, to research it, to watch videos and everything like that. It's it's like being in school. I mean, it's a lot of fun. I I don't want to make it seem like it's a terrible process, but I just think that, you know, the emphasis is on the cool stuff, but there's a lot of uh, hard work that you know, I think doesn't get the attention it needs. And I think it's helpful for people to expect that um, and know that that's part of it.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the main reasons I started doing this show is like to really just expose that. Of course, we're all putting our best work out there. And I'm sure people watch stuff like your performances and are like, mind blown. I want to do that. So then they go buy a bunch of gear and they say, great, now I'm going to do that. But it's like that family guy thing where you buy all the instruments and you're like, Oh God, we don't know any songs, you know? I know, exactly. Um, So it's like to just shed light on that, I think is so important. Um, And I, it's also everything you talked about, like learning the gear um, and just getting through, getting over that learning hump. That also has to do with like, if the gear works and behaves as it's supposed to, because so much of what we do has to do with like, how do you overcome when things go wrong?
1: Troubleshooting is everything. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the, the difference between professional producer and, uh, amateur is how quickly they deal with problems. It's not whether there's problems or not. There's always problems. problems, No matter what level you're at, there's issues. It's how quickly you can locate where the problem's happening and possible solutions. And I think the more you do it, the faster you get with that. And that really is just how quickly you respond to problems. That's, that's the mark of how good of a producer you are. You know what I mean?
0: Totally. Um, So you get the MPC. Do you just start making beats? Like are you writing – are you using it you know, as a songwriting hate my tool? I for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so what I did was – the manual super long. It's like 200-something pages, whatever. I started working my way through the manual. I didn't know any of these terms like filter. What the heck is a filter? Like I just tried to read the glossary terms and um, – I was learning about music production while learning the MPC. It, w- it was kind of um, a whole bunch of skills that I was learning simultaneously. It wasn't even just the gear. Um, and I tried to kind of take the mindset that we're not going to make music for a while. We're just going to learn what this thing is, what it's capable of, um, and how to navigate around it efficiently and quickly. So that took me so long. Like I I did not pick up the NPC fast. Like the workflow for me was a nightmare. Um, NPC workflow is difficult
0: anyway, even if you have not going to it.
1: Definitely. I just couldn't figure out how to get to anything. I'm like, how do I do the most simple things? How do I mute this pad? I just want to mute this, you know, simple things like that. So frustrating, but um yeah eventually you get the hang of it there's always a, a breakthrough that happens and you finally kind of are like oh i get what this thing is so for me i was like i thought i was getting a drum machine where i could just make beats and stuff but it was so much more than that you can yeah. play instruments you can i mean you know do you have a standalone
0: mpc by the way yeah I have an. oh i have an mpc1 right here
1: dude yeah. yeah don't you
0: love it um yeah it's pretty great I, i'm just obsessed with anything that is uh, like, obviously I love Ableton in my laptop, but like anything that's standalone that you can just take and like, just live yes. with it, you know, for sure. For sure. Yeah. There's something about that. Like I've got the innovation circuit and like an electron, uh, model cycles, uh, what else? Yes. There's one other. Oh, I just got the the new Machina, the Machina Plus. But, but like standalone, oh, what do you think about that? I haven't been able to use it Sorry. yet. I'm having a Wi-Fi oh, okay. issue and it, I'm working with Native Instruments to try to fix it. But I'm oh, excited because I like the Native Instruments like working environment and to be able to yeah, take that sure. on the go. There's just something so freeing about being able to separate yourself from the laptop And it seems like a lot of what you do, um, you use controllers in that way. It's like, so you don't really have to interact with your computer. You have a whole rig that is just becomes an extension of yourself, not an extension of the software.
1: I pretty much always manage, um, anything rhythm, drums, vocal sample related on the MPC and deal with the looping on the MPC and just feed the audio into Ableton. So I'll be doing anything melodic. I prefer to loop in Ableton, um, and play that on a regular MIDI controller or my seaboard or something, and then mm-hmm. anything rhythmic is the MPC. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, uh- the reason I, I like to do that is because you have to have control over all drum elements. I want to be able to take the kick out, just the snare out, things like that. That's kind of difficult to assign to a MIDI controller in Ableton. It requires like... Way more memorization than I feel like it should. So sure. for me, it the MPC is like very visual. I can just push the pads, mute exactly where I played the kick. I can just click that and it's muted. So for me, that's kind of the workflow I, I prefer to do. That's the main thing I use my MPC for is drum stuff and, and samples, like vocal samples and stuff.
0: Nice. I don't yeah. want to get too far ahead because I want to keep going. <laughs> I want to follow your journey. You get the MPC, okay, cool. you get familiar with it, you hate your life for two weeks, you're yeah. reading the manual start getting comfortable with it, when does mm-hmm. the um, when do the floodgates open? And you're like, okay, now I'll get like a seaboard or whatever your so, next yes, controller so was. Yes, that was the
1: next thing I got. Um, so the floodgates open when I started realizing the potential of sound design. So when I started going in and being like, oh, I can change the filter. Oh, I can EQ. What's EQ? I was like, oh, my God, you can take this sound that sounds so muffled and gross and make it something crazy awesome and add distortion on it and, and reverb and everything like that. And then I was like, wow, like the expression that's possible with this is crazy. And then honestly, I was just like researching music stuff all the time at that point, just out of curiosity. And I saw a video of Jordan Rudis playing the seaboard and I was like, dear God, what is that? That's freaking crazy. That's like, I couldn't even believe that was possible. And it didn't even dawn on me that like, it was something you could buy. I kind of just thought like, oh, there's one in the world. It's just like this guy. Like, yeah, yeah, I get that. You know? and then i was like i wonder how expensive it is and i was expecting something crazy cuz for me it was it blew my mind i'm like this thing's going to be like $50,000 or something <laughs> i'm like oh it's $1,200 i was like right. that is actually achievable i was like i could pull i could get that i could invest in that i mean so, especially
0: you come from the world of marimba how much is a marimba yeah. these days i don't even oh, know dude.
1: like they can be like 15 grand easily jeez yeah they're Yikes. crazy if you get a rosewood one that's made yeah dude they're insane. i mean you can get ones that are like three grand but yeah, yeah. they're they're a lot
0: yeah so the the seaboard yeah. draws you in and you're like heck yeah but you haven't talked about having any um guitar background do you play guitar at all
1: yeah i i just taught myself guitar. i'm i'm okay i yeah, I, mean, I, I only s-
0: i only say that like, because so much of what you do on the seaboard like especially when you take a solo or something like I hear I guitar I'm, you know
1: I think I was meant to learn guitar like yeah. I, I wish that I had um picked up like electric guitar or something when I was a teenager um I've always wanted to just shred a solo I can't I, I can't play lead stuff on guitar I just play chords and stuff like that but yeah I think I, I've just always wanted to shred a solo
0: that's so, so interesting
1: seaboard satisfied that I guess to a degree
0: so is the seaboard, um, the jumping off point for starting to really put together some yeah, serious was performances?
1: The, the point of no return. That was just when I got the seaboard. Um, a lot of people contact me and say oh, how frustrated they are. With it. I totally get it. It's nothing like a piano. It's like getting a completely different instrument. Don't even think of it in the same category mm-hmm. as a piano. If you're a pianist, like my brother is an amazing piano player. He had a a harder time getting used to the seaboard than I did and I have less ability on the piano so I think there's kind of a sweet spot in skill level with the seaboard if you're really good at piano you actually kind of have a harder time picking it up you'll get used to it eventually but I don't know it, it's just it's so it's so different it's hard to explain but for me for whatever reason it was so intuitive it, it made sense to me immediately the second I turned it on played sounds I was like chills just yeah just absolutely mind-blowing and yeah i mean that that just sparked my curiosity in in music technology in general and just took it to a whole nother level now i live in a spaceship so for sure my life now
0: it's so epic (laughs)
1: this is where it's taking me it's pretty crazy it's it's like it's wild when i when i look back and think like i i had no idea any of this stuff even existed
0: three years ago. you
1: know so it's it's pretty crazy how quickly um obsession can take you to a different place. Absolutely.
0: Like I came from a world of writing and singing songs like with an acoustic guitar, like like folk oh, pop awesome. stuff. So like now I look at like, you know, the spaceship that I'm in, you know, we're, we're yes. in like parallel spaceships. Um
1: Absolutely. I
0: I think about it like, wow, I can't imagine like something along so the way wow. just like like got caught my interest and like it just spiraled, you know, it just spirals really and becomes so much this obsession. Fun, so just, much like, fun. I
1: love this little world of like gear nerds and people like, like, I'm loving this right now, by the way, because most of my friends like don't even know anything about the this technical stuff or anything. Right. So anytime I start ranting about it, they're just like drifting away. So this is yeah. like, this is perfect for me It's it's right
0: now. It's unusual to be able to have a conversation with somebody that is like yeah. as into it, like as you are. So th- yeah, that's sure. cool. But uh, we're sure. also in a bit of a renaissance time too, because there's yeah. so much new stuff constantly coming out. Definitely. Um, so I think we're... We're lucky to have developed this passion at around just the right time. When like think technology that, yeah. is just like taking off.
1: Oh my God. It's like on the is this called a parabola? I don't know what the you know what I'm talking about.
0: Come on, come on. You know on. what I'm talking
1: about. We're yeah. like here. We're going, we're about to skyrocket on a vertical line. Like sure. every time. I hear about like the next new thing. I'm like, dude, are you joking? Like is how, are exactly. they just, there's going to be something that you plug into your brain and it just writes the song that you have in mind. Like it, at
0: some totally. point I feel like. I'm all about it's it. Why. I'm sure that's what Elon Musk is working on right now.
1: <laughs> dude, probably. Yeah. on everything.
0: All right. Yeah. So let's continue on the journey. MPC, yes. seaboard. When does the, when do the cameras come into play? Like when do you start saying like, hey, I'm working pretty hard on this stuff. Let me try to make some videos. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm trying to, th- I, you know, when I'm really bad at like timeline, like mm-hmm. knowing dates and stuff, but I'm, I'm thinking it was around like four months after I, maybe something like that. I don't know. I wish I was better at that, but it was yeah. something like that where I was like, I want to try to put a performance together and have the seaboard and loop everything and start from scratch and not have any backing tracks and just try to, to loop everything, but not do. It. So the problem with live looping, is that it takes so long to get to where you're going.
0: You got to make the um, whole song. You yeah. got to
1: make the whole, you got to loop every little part. So I'm like, I'm going to play multiple parts. So I'm going to play bass line with my left hand and melodic line with my right hand, get there faster. You know? So my whole kind of concept was I'm going to live perform from scratch, um, a song in a song, typical song structure without, you know, the live looping trap that you get stuck into the too much repetition. Um, so it took a lot of a lot of work to yeah. to figure out how to do that. And then I just started putting videos out. I had no idea. Um, I didn't even consider, like, sponsorships or endorsements or anything like that or working with brands. Like, that never crossed my mind. Right. Um, but Rolly reached out to me maybe a couple months after. I had, like, two videos out, or three. I don't know. I had a couple videos out. Um, and they were like, hey, like, I don't remember. They said, like, would you want to um, – make michael jackson's beat it and cover that song on roly blocks i was like "Mm, that's not really my like song of choice but i mean yeah sure i'll 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 figure it out that's awesome that you reached out to me like blew my mind i was like you are the gods in my mind like you created this masterpiece like of course i want to work with you so i I made that and then i was you know it i didn't get paid for it or anything I, i didn't even consider that as a possibility and then that sort of started to snowball and other brands started to notice me. And then all the, all that kind of,
0: it's crazy. Like once that genie is out of the bottle, you're like, I can't believe this is real.
1: It's wild. It's wild. It's so much fun though. Like, so getting, getting anything new for me, like obviously I'm obsessed with gear, but it's not because it's, beautiful and aesthetically pleasing. While it is, that's of course not the root of why I'm so drawn to this. It's my obsession and infatuation with what's possible with music technology. And anytime I get a new piece of gear sent to me, it's such a blessing. And I'm like, I can't wait to see what I can create because of this. Because anytime I get something new, I end up creating something that like I never would have created otherwise. So it's just, it's really a blessing yeah. Um, to have these opportunities and, and be able to draw parts of myself out that maybe I never otherwise would have even known are there. So yeah, yeah, that's what makes it fun for me.
0: It kind of like shows you just the power that an artist can have. And I'm curious to hear about like how your career path has changed right. with, with like creating videos and like becoming super popular on social media i mean i'm looking right now and your how Deep is your love cover has 1.9 million views too high 1.6 million lay low 1.4 million um it's crazy like you're reaching such a broad audience like did did that did you have a point where you're like okay doing this like you went from like playing in the cover band or like the wedding band or whatever to now you're like reaching millions of people
1: Dude, it's wild. It's wild. So the crazier thing to me is that at the start of this year, I had, um, I think my top video was Lalo. It had 35,000 views. Wow. So literally this year, I don't even know. I, can't, I don't even know the numbers, but it, it went crazy. And I, I think I attribute that to the four producers that I did with Andrew Wong. So thank God he reached out to me. That was. Yeah. Somebody fun. dropped in
0: the chat that they found out about you through that. So was that an yeah. amazing launching point?
1: Oh my god. Well, of course I knew who Andrew was. And he right. messaged me. I'm like, it's Andrew Wong. He's like the king of this yeah. world, you know. So, um, yeah, he he was just like, "Would you want to ride a track, you know, flip the sample, whatever?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, but I don't know if I'm good enough." Like I had all these doubts in my mind. I'm like, "God, I'm like competing. It's not a competition, right? But at the same time, it's like people are going to be comparing you of to the other people." And yeah, I yeah. was like, "Damn, I I need to I need to like research and like learn <laughs> learn how to do this better like that. That's always I mean, I always feel I think some degree of inadequate, I think everybody has those kind of thoughts that just sleep into your mind, no matter what level you're at. It's just, it's not like I, it's self doubt, but it's just imposter syndrome, I guess some people call it, but I I, want you to
0: talk so much about this because you, (laughs) I, people are like looking up to you as like being this amazing player, millions of views, amazing like videos and stuff. Like, how are you dealing with that? Are you feeling that still all the time? Like, does it ever go away?
1: I want to share so much with people. I want to dive into the world of, of education and giving back. But there's this voice in my head that's like, you don't know enough yet there. I think I know enough to know what I don't know at this point. And that kind of overwhelms me because it's like, I don't want to go speaking with such authority on everything. And and like, I, I feel like I have so much to learn myself and I'm trying to conquer that and be like, yes, like you do, you do have things to offer that people would be interested in hearing, you know, maybe you're not like the ultimate pro of the world, but it doesn't mean you can't go sharing knowledge. And I think, um, I'm constantly trying to, you know, tell myself that, but
0: yeah, I think it's it's it's, super important for the audience to hear you say that because like, I'm sure, like I just said, like people looking up to you and like thinking what you do is amazing. Like even when you're at the level that you're at that, that doubt in the back of your mind and that insecurity, like still like nags at you there's just
1: infinite potential and, and knowledge to be acquired in this world that, like, I watch videos all, all the time that I'm like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. I didn't even, you know, and things about Ableton. And like, I, I work in Ableton every day of my life. So I, I still feel like um, I'm like waiting to to feel like I know enough. But I don't think that's a good strategy. I think um, putting yourself out there and just going for it. And that's what I'm, I am always pushing myself to do that. Anytime I put a video out or post it, I'm like, damn, it's just like, it's like, honestly, a kind of sickening feeling, uh, for me before I post anything online. Um, where I don't, I don't even fully know what it is. It might be some kind of perfectionist thing, but it's, um, you're, you're you're always your
0: own worst critic, you know? So like you see things in your own work that people will never notice and that's something that i've been like dealing with too like nobody's gonna notice that i messed this thing up or even like with video production nobody's gonna notice that the title is like slightly off center like crazy stuff like that
1: yeah but you know because because um producing is such a like you have to be so detail oriented i think that mindset kind of intrudes all other elements of the process and it, it can it can it can be a challenge um working with that especially um on the creative side of things. So kind of like I was saying with the split personality thing, I think it's important to sort of separate, um, the creative from the technical and analytical and not let them have too much overlap. Um, you know, I I don't know. I I just feel like, um, it's a challenge in- I'm yeah let,
0: let's talk about that how yeah how do you split your i guess it comes down to time right because you have only so much time you get new gear okay yep. you gotta learn the new gear you want to make another video all right yep. video production is one thing um or you want to just like improve your technique and your skills that's a whole nother time or you want to write songs like how do yep. are you regimented about how you kind of divide your time or are you just kind of doing what feels right on a given day i am
1: I- i'm pretty um organized in terms of like what's on my immediate agenda and what i need to be focused on um the the trick that i've learned with like um creativity is to you have to have the most open mind possible going into it It, i think having being like i'm gonna write a song today i don't think that's a good way to go about it for me it's like i'm gonna sit down and make cool sounds and see what happens for me um creativity and writing songs is all about decisiveness. It's rolling with mistakes. It's, you know, flowing with whatever the first sound you pull up is and trying to make it into something. I think if you get too hung up in sound design at too early of a phase or picking the perfect sounds, whatever it might be, it it's really hindrous. I don't know if that's a word Hindrous? Sure, let's go with it. Um, yeah, <laughs> Let's roll with it. But yeah, that's what I mean by like split personality. It, it's important to Workflow is the most important during the creative process because you need to be able to get those ideas out as fluidly as possible to the point where you're not even aware that you're recording them that you're all of the technical side of doing that it's just it should be all about getting the energy out that you want to get out and getting your ideas out smoothly as
0: possible so like instinctually me, it, I, I try to describe it like you got to go on your instincts like at first just get yeah, the ideas 100%, out 100
1: 100 don't get caught up just be as decisive as possible be like okay maybe this sounds not completely perfect but we're going to roll with it. We're going to make it work. You know, right. I think that's the the perfect mindset for that. But in terms of like how I structure um my days and things like that, it's difficult because I get contacted all the time with like opportunities that are so different. Like it's such a wide range of things. It's like we want you, we're going to send you this gear and use it in this video in this kind of way, and then there's oh, we want you on the affiliate program or there there's just such a variety of opportunities that get thrown at me. And I think, um, I don't know, I like, I embrace pretty much everything that comes my way. So right now when people ask me, what's your goal? Where are you going towards? I'm like, Oh, I have a general idea of what what I'm working towards, but not fully. I think, um, I think having a goal sometimes is restrictive. Um, especially in our industry where there's such a variety of, income streams and such a variety of ways that we can put our music out there um, to have some like concrete vision of what you're aiming towards. Um, I don't know if that's the way if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, Of course, you want to have some idea. You don't want to just be going blindly in life. But I think being open minded and considering every single thing that comes your way is, is a good way to approach it. But
0: Cause um, then the you can just part, be making like progress. You know that you're making progress. Exactly. You know that you're growing. You're not, you're not necessarily aiming at a specific target. There's some like targets in the different, in the distance, but as you get closer, you'll make those decisions.
1: A hundred percent. But it, you know, it's good to be open-minded and take opportunities, but the opportunities you say no to are just as important as the ones you say yes to. So if yes. you you can't just say yes to everything. If I, you know, I get, I get, um, offers like, will you review these headphones? And they're like $50 headphones. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like,
0: yeah, does that
1: align with like what I'm doing? Is that going to be a good use of my time? For me, the question I ask myself now is when a new opportunity presents itself is, are the skills that are necessary to pull this off going to apply to something other than this? If the answer is no, I'm not going to do it now. So for me, if it's like learning some totally bizarre piece of gear that I'm not I don't even like that I, I need to incorporate into a video or something. I ask myself like, okay, well I'm gonna put like a ton of time into this. Is this gonna be, is this a good use of my time? So for me now it's it's um it's not about saying yes to everything and doing as much as I can. It's about being strategic and what I say yes to and how I spend my time and making sure that the way I'm growing is going to be able to apply to things in the future. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, because you can always take those skills and apply them somewhere else. It, uh, some totally. of this, like, then is like paid training. Time. Yeah, it almost becomes paid training because you learn this yeah, it's 100%, skill and then you can That's carry a good way of on. putting
1: it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. What do you um, think about that Orba thing? Sorry, this is kind of a, oh, uh, a side
0: note. This, this what do you think thing, about
1: that? You make it look freaking awesome.
0: I love simplicity and minimalism yes. and. Um, totally. When, what we were talking about before in terms of like instinct and like trying to have a fast workflow, Mm -hmm. I I just find that a lot of times what helps me is limitations. So even though I've got like all this gear, I'm sure you can relate, like we have all this gear and sometimes we're like, how do we use as many pieces of gear as possible and and completely optimize it? Sometimes I want to forget about all that and just use one thing. So like Orba specifically, like it's got, you can play eight notes. It's like already in key chord that's mode awesome. drums like it's a limitation that I, I really like and I have yeah, been you, using it yeah. in songwriting and also like just beat production like I'm just having fun with it I love that aspect Dude, of
1: that's it that's so dope yeah you know that quote like limitless and limitations have you ever heard of that so for me like man, I've been thinking about like the creative process recently and how people think that creating is adding something to the world. Like it's kind of, you'd be like, oh yeah, well, if you create something, you just, you made something. But for me, the nature of creativity is the art of refinement, the art of taking away. You know, if you have all these options, it's about narrowing it down to something where it makes sense and you're able to kind of connect the dots and make all these pieces work together as as a whole unit. I think um, having every freaking sound in the universe available to you is not helpful. So that's the challenge that I run into a lot because I obviously have a ton of gear. Um, Anytime I sit down to write something, I usually restrict myself in terms of what software i'm allowed to use I, I try to like put these you know self-imposed restrictions on myself because yeah. i know if i like omnisphere what is it's got like ten thousand sounds or something like dude you're gonna you're not gonna make anything if you, if you get too hung up in possibilities and options so i try to to constantly limit myself so um yeah what yeah. you said what you said about the orbit that makes a lot of sense
0: yeah and i have found like with sound packs too like it's the same thing that you talked dude, about like totally. i have all the sound packs you know i have my own Splice subscription and then i also get other sound packs for free and then uh presets yep. uh complete 13 just came out um like yeah. so even like if you say okay i'm only going to use one plugin today like you said like atmosphere yeah. like ten thousand plus like dude that's, that's a limitation you know
1: yeah totally no, it, it's it's a challenge, but um, you know what? This is kind of a, a side note. Dude, do you know Touche Expressive?
0: Yeah, I my, can't reach my. You ha- my, oh, you, see, have okay, you have one. Okay, yeah. was think about
1: that? That's my favorite I, instrument right now.
0: Really? That's so I'm interesting. I'm obsessed I, with it. I think it's cool. I, I like. I think I just have too much stuff, so it's hard to focus on one thing. Totally. No, I had used I completely it in a, that in a recent video, I think the other thing, like there's limitations and trying to just like get your ideas out instinctually, but there's also like the idea of like habit breaking and creating things in ways that you don't before. So that's, that ties into the Orba as well. Like, okay, I I don't play round instruments like this very often. And then the touche, like one hand on a keyboard and the other hand, like adjusting like timbre and things like that. Um, I think uh, maybe you could speak to that like why is it your one of your favorite instruments right now and i'm gonna grab it off the shelf so people can see it
1: oh man why is it um well first of all the sounds in their lia software are badass like, oh yeah the, for all sure the preset sounds that's the problem with the seaboard right now for me is um i love the seaboard obviously i use it in most of my videos but like the sounds man the sound they need somebody to it's, come in and make yeah. A, a sample pack of like sounds that respond the same way the problem is every preset requires a different kind of touch yeah. and that's a that's a big challenge um i don't know and plus like the sounds i find most of them are not very usable um i don't know i don't want to down talk the keyboard, obviously but like i mean if you notice in my videos I'm, i pretty much play like the same uh preset in, in a lot of them and that's for yep. that reason but for me the touche um, Touche is very similar in like the kinds of expressiveness you can get out, but the sounds are awesome. So that's kind yeah. of like what I've been looking for. Apparently you can use the sounds with Seaboard too, but I tried that and I, I couldn't, it didn't really work very well. For yeah. Me, yeah.
0: But. Totally. Yeah. I, I think sound design and like having the right presets. That's why I have been super into the native instrument stuff lately because I think they're putting a, a strong effort into. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of what I do is like very contemporary, like pop, trap, hip hop, um, beat making stuff like that. So I'm looking for that sound. Like if you're looking for that kind of sound, you gotta um, get in the right sound libraries. And I went through that with Ableton too. Yeah. Like, as being an Ableton user. For a long time, I just used like stock Ableton everything and the presets mm-hmm. are just not like it's hit or miss, you know, Yeah, uh, if totally. you especially if you want to make contemporary music. I don't,
1: I don't really like the Ableton stock instrument sounds.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's important for software companies to think about that. Like it goes kind of goes Definitely. back to what we we're talking about. That's like everything, man. Yeah. Because so like we were talking about music education being um, like kind of ignoring the music industry. I think some, some of these software companies like need to pay a little bit more attention to the contemporary industry and what's happening not that it has to be trendy but you know your users want to use um the sounds that they're hearing in the tracks that inspire them and i I think it goes both ways with the with the touche and with the the touche se that i have here the sounds are so expressive and it's like so cool like as soon as you touch it you're like you're inspired sounds can really inspire people in that way
1: definitely i think like it helps you find the sound you're looking for because you can kind of move your hand around it and explore and you get like it's crazy that with this, with one preset sound, you can get like hundreds of varieties of, of sounds out of it, you know, yeah. depending on how you're moving it around. So for me, um, it helps me a lot because, you know, you don't get too restricted in like one specific sound and choosing one specific sound since you can get so many different textures out of it. So I think that's yeah. what draws me to it.
0: For sure. Yeah. I want to shout one other instrument out because I cause Sensil is in the chat right now and I don't know if you've used the Sensil Morph at all, but I just oh, used that one is badass. Yeah, I've just used I just used it in a in a beat recently this week. But like portability is another thing that gets me about gear yeah. too. Like this thing is yeah. an iPad size. That's you know? like
1: the most portable it gets.
0: So when you think about like, what am I going to throw in my bag today? Like, uh, <laughs> totally. I just need 16 pads. What am I going to take with the me? the MPC-1,
1: though, is better than the X. The X is gigantic. Dude, I
0: know. I don't know how. <laughs> like,
1: you know what? Do you know what? Honestly, okay, the MPC-1 is, what, $700, okay? The MPC-X is, like, $2,200. is not a justified price difference. I can tell no, you from totally experience not. of working with them that – dude. The, okay. MPCX is awesome. I use it all the time, but it's way freaking overpriced. It should, it should be like 1500.
0: Yeah. And I- I uh, think I like even the way you mentioned, you talked about the seaboard before, like when you saw it, you like saw the value in it. So you were like, oh, it's not $50,000. It's like 1200 yeah. and that's pretty doable for the value you get out of it. I think accessibility right. is super important for these yeah. companies. I, I don't want to bring it, keep bringing it back to Definitely Orba, but no. like Orba Definitely. being like a hundred bucks. Like I think about that all the time. Oh, even,
1: wow. even, oh my God, that's crazy. I right.
0: know that. I, I look back and I think about like my 16 year old self, like when I, or maybe 16, 17, whatever, whatever i started getting yeah. into this and i was like washing dishes and stuff like i was had to yeah. be very deliberate about like how i spent my money and like buy gear used if totally. it was super expensive or like buy totally. gear that that's why i'm super into the mini MIDI controllers because they're like so affordable oh, and yeah. for some reason that has stuck with me even though like i'm a full adult now and i can afford maybe a little bit more i'm still like a yeah. little bit like let me stick to the, the budget no. friendly stuff you it's know
1: it's kind of the, i don't know the npcx is kind of like a status thing or what like i don't know
0: The Akai, I don't want to say the Akai cult, but the Akai, um, let's just say community, is very, I mean, because the NPC is legendary and the NPC community has been around for years and years. So I think there's a lot of that. There's a lot of history behind it that goes into that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't hate on it. I love the No, for sure. inspired me to get into this. But yeah, I mean, you can get the NPC live for like, what is it, $1,200? I mean, that... Is a gigantic price difference between the two, and w- w- the functionality is essentially the same. So, totally, yeah.
0: Hey, real quick sorry to interrupt the interview. I hope you're enjoying it, but I just wanted to tell you, real quick, about my new lifestyle and apparel brand Control Freak Club. So, if you like what you're hearing from Neon Vines and you also like hearing what I talk about with gear all the time, and you're just like a gearhead, you're a control freak. Your home studio music producer, you should check out the swag I've got going on over at controlfreakclub.com. I just worked with like three different artists to create three different designs that have to do with controllerism. You know, we've got some like launch key style controllers featured. There's skulls, there's cool fonts. It's just really epic. All those cool designs are on t-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, stickers, all that good stuff. If you if you are a control freak like I am, I Highly recommend you check out controlfreakclub.com and join the club. But let's get back into the interview with Neon Vines. early in our conversation where we were talking about uh your piano lessons and things like that yeah. and it was a parent writing in so i'm sorry if i can't find the specific name of the user but a parent wrote in and said mm-hmm. um like what what should i do my kids taking piano lessons right now like how do you like what would you recommend oh, for man. maybe you parents
1: know, that, that's a tough one i think it's um finding what area they're most interested in and and to some degree, the skills you need to learn are kind of not so enjoyable. So you can only make it it's not all about just making it a fun time. I think to some degree, the discipline necessary and doing things that you don't necessarily want to do is a valuable skill to develop. So, you know, some of what I learned in piano lessons and getting through it did really help me. But I think just going through, like, so basically in piano lessons, it's like, okay, today we're learning Tarantella and D minor, and tomorrow it's whatever's on the next page. Like, <laughs> don't let the piano teacher say we're going step one and then step two. And if you don't don't like this song. I guess you're going to have to play it for two weeks because you didn't practice it. Like it's dude, it's the worst. And then wonder it's,
0: why you didn't practice, you know, why like you
1: didn't practice it. Oh, we're on Tarantella for another week. Like dude that. Okay. Clearly the kids having a problem connecting with that song. Try to find, learn songs that you're interested in. So this is what I tell people who want to get into uh music production in general. Um, Just what are you interested in? What kind of genre you're into what artists you like? Try to learn that song on piano. Um, Go to a really basic piano tutorial. Try to learn that. Um, I don't – I feel like you kind of need an instructor at least starting out. But I think um, past a certain point, there's so much available on YouTube that as long as you have that discipline and you commit to it, you can learn anything you want. From YouTube, I think getting enough direction from your instructor, the foundational knowledge, how to play it, um, technique-wise, um, scales and things like that, it can be helpful to have an instructor. But when it comes to learning songs and stuff, I mean, you can you can really be your own teacher.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you also answered Julian Franco's question, who said, "What would you recommend yeah. for a self-taught uh, person to learn piano?" I think YouTube. I said, yeah. yeah. YouTube's YouTube. huge for that. Also, like, songs you like. For the parents out there. Um not only does 343 Labs have a youth program um at 343labs.com where you can learn contemporary music stuff, but uh, pre going full like freelance full time and everything, I taught at a program at a boys and girls club for four years and programs like that are like youth driven. So mm-hmm. kids aren't going like I had full like Berkeley interns, like full team, like part-time assistant, and we would teach kids piano, we would teach kids guitar, we would teach kids music production. But we weren't cracking open a book and saying like, okay, we're going to learn Beethoven, no. whatever, whatever today. We were, yeah. th- we were asking the kid, like, what do you want to learn today? What songs What's are you into? To you? Yeah, and and totally. then we had to develop the skills to say like, okay, like, how do I adapt this specific song for yes. this kid's skill level? And there are teachers That's out there awesome. who do, th- who will do that. And and plenty 100%. of programs out there uh, for kids that are beyond just the normal, um, I don't know what you call that, normal studio music lessons where you go in and you do a recital and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Let's keep on going. Um Yep. We answered that question. Okay. Daniel Farias asks, when was the moment you realized you could live from music? I think this question's interesting because you talked about like, Oh, lunch break, bringing my keyboard, my 88 key keyboard in the car. And then like making the transition, (laughs) moving to Austin. (laughs) Like when did it become Um, like a reality?
1: So obviously I wasn't making enough money. Like right when I moved to Austin, so I was dog walking. Um, (laughs) I was just walking dogs to just be able to pay the bills and, and deal with that. But um, I think I realized, oh, damn, there's money in this when I, I'm i on Sweetwater's affiliate program. Mm-hmm. So I can like track my sales and see stuff. And and I just kind of like enrolled in it and put some links in the description of my videos and didn't check it. And then a couple months later, I checked it and I was like, oh, my God, like, I can pay my rent paid. with this. Yeah, there rent you go. paid. Yeah, I was like, oh wow, and then and then so right now, what I'm really focused on is monetizing my content. So I'll be completely honest with you, I'm not doing a good job with that right now. I could be doing a way better. Job. I have no merch. I'm not selling sample packs. I'm working on all this stuff, but like, I'm I'm well aware now. Yeah, for sure. So for me, like the focus was just on getting content out there, and and. I'm not making a whole lot from that. I mean, I'm making, you know, money from YouTube ad revenue, which actually is pretty decent. Um, Nice. Surprisingly, I was surprised I think a lot
0: of, I think in our world, for some reason, artists, musicians, whatever, for me, like YouTube ad revenue is pretty decent as well. You hear a lot of like the YouTube, YouTube crowd, you know, like the YouTube filmmakers and all that talk about like, oh, AdSense isn't worth anything, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. For me as a musician, the monthly check is like pretty good.
1: Yeah, I was surprised. I thought it was gonna be like a couple bucks, but dude, yeah, it adds up for sure.
0: And when it's the difference between like, do I take this wedding gig or do I maybe work on a video that's gonna live on for years and generate revenue for years? It's pretty easy math.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. But you're doing an amazing job. You're like juggling everything. You're posting content every day. You're like, dude, you're killing it. I I don't don't know why I didn't say that yet, but yeah, it's quite stressful. stressful, But you're doing a good job of hiding that if you're stressed. I think-
0: Vibe I and. think soon like i'm I'm inspired by people like you um so my model has been to put out a ton of content like just like really yeah. flood flood my channel with as much as possible um and I think like as I approach a hundred thousand subscribers i I will yeah. pull back I will take a little bit of a break I will reassess and then I'll pull back a little bit and maybe do a little bit of uh kind of I think you what you do is yeah. like you don't have really a schedule you're you're like i'm going to work no, on this I, I thing i'm going to put it out that. there but but yeah. I, I but i do like look to your uh, just how you operate as an inspiration too because you're like i'm just gonna put out a a banger and it'll come out when it's ready and then when the next one comes out it'll be a banger but i don't know when it'll be so stick around
1: yeah yeah it yeah it takes like um a month of of solid work i think to to pull off one of those performances and by the way people are like oh she's just rolling up to her setup and just jamming out like that dude like the whole thing is memorized okay I know exactly the exact beat that I need to mute that kick drum, the exact beat I need to mute that snare. These are for my my YouTube performances. It's pretty much just me trying to flex. Like I'm just trying to like go <laughs> You're crazy trying to do the every, best,
0: like, like the craziest stuff you can. Can you I would
1: sit- never do that live though. I would never do it that way. Yeah.
0: yeah, Interesting.
1: The the only reason I do that is because obviously I can film myself and do a hundred freaking takes before I get to the one I want to use. So, and you make the
0: video and it like, like I said before, like it lives on for years. So it better be like the craziest, dopest thing.
1: And the producer in me needs it to be good quality. I can't just like.
0: For sure. Do one take and call it a day. Since you brought it up, can you break down the process of, um, preparing and making one of those videos? You said it's like a month long process.
1: It's a yeah, it's a lot. So basically, I I go into it not worrying about at all how I'm gonna pull it off, how I'm gonna perform it. I have no idea what gear I'm even going to play it on. I just you know, like we said with creativity, it's about just sitting down, keeping it really simple and flowing with ideas. Then I come up with a song concept. Um, I put it into Ableton, I produce it a little bit, and get kind of a general idea of what I'm going for in terms of song structure. What elements are part of the song there's a piano part there's a drum part there's a bass verse there's a bass in the pre-chorus and a bass in the chorus so I try to break it down all the different parts that I'm going to loop I actually have like a full on, like, um, I do an Excel document and try to notate the exact moments that I need to be triggering clips, muting things, unmuting things, whatever it might be. The whole thing is, is scripted out. Um, all my performances, like every take that I do is the same. I'm not improvising anything for those. So I know, I know exactly what my seaboard solo is going to be. Like I plan all that, all that stuff out when I do like live performances is a total, totally different game. Like I still loop stuff and I, I, just improvise solos and stuff, but for those performances, yeah, they're they're super, they're super planned out, and um, yeah, it's it's different for for everything though because I think pretty much every performance video I have out there is a different setup. I don't yeah. th- I don't think I've ever used the same setup actually in any of my YouTube videos, so. Yeah, it's it's a different um, process every day. Once
0: you come up with the idea and you're like, okay, this is the song that I'm gonna do, these are the controllers I'll use, this is the basic arrangement. Like what's the practice regimen like? Like, is it like every single day, two hours, three hours?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I do is I don't I still don't worry about what gear I'm using. I just write out every single element of the song down to every single vocal sample used, every single effect I'm gonna need to trigger. Um whether there's a, like I said, is there a bass part for the verse? Is it different in the pre-chorus? Is it, you know, I write out every single possible element.
0: Like pen and, then and I paper, to, like write out? Yes. like yeah,
1: yeah, pen and paper. And then I try to group things. So I'm like, okay, well, I can play the kick, snare, and all these vocal samples on my MPC. So I try to put as many different elements on the MPC as I can, and then say, okay, well, what parts are left? I'm going to need to play those bass parts on something. But oh, wait. I, I have to have another controller because I have to be playing a melody at the same time as the bass part. So it's kind of trying to actually minimize it as much as I can, which I know it sounds kind of weird considering there's like a ton of controllers in front of me in these videos, but really I try to, um, think of it in terms of functionality. So I, I usually want my MPC to be anything drum related, like I said, vocal samples and stuff like that. And then I try to, um, restrict what instruments are being played, say on the seaboard block, for example, only bass and only a synth are played on this. And then, you know, I try to conceptualize where things are. Um, and just logistically, it, it, it's a lot of work. Like my brain never, never feels so swollen as it does when I'm in this
0: for part sure. of the process.
1: Um, yeah, it's the most taxing mentally for sure. And then when it comes to rehearsing it and like being able to, to pull it off, the truth is at first I I'm like, is this even possible? I'm like, I, I can't do it at all. I'm trying to play a melody in one hand and drums in the other hand. And it's difficult because the, the, actually the most difficult part about it is the fact that there's a completely different type of touch required on all these instruments. So I have to be playing very gently a bass line on my seaboard because it's so freaking sensitive and then slamming a drum part on my NPC at the same time. So it's like, Training your hands to interact with the devices differently—it's not only the fact that they're happening simultaneously. It's—it's it's the touch technique that I think actually takes me the most time. Um, working that is with.
0: something but, that is so unique to our time. Like uh, I yeah. can't really think of a analog no. to that in like regular instruments. No,
1: no, it's yeah, it's a very unique. I guess. I guess drum set, Still, like
0: you talked about drums a little bit, Dr- drum set a little, little bit, go over a me. ride. Yeah.
1: That's everything. Like everything. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's It's that's crazy sure. how it all comes together. Like the marimba, the drums, the piano. And now you, you do this. Like, uh, yeah, and yeah, they somehow brilliant. all informed it.
1: Yeah. But I think like the most satisfying part is all these instruments that are so different um and requires such different touch techniques, become one unit. Like when I'm finally at the point where I'm ready to record it and I'm getting it right on every single run through, I'm like, okay, dear God. And then of course when the cameras are rolling, I can't do it again. But yeah. That's a whole other thing. Um that yeah, dude, that that's a I phenomenon.
0: Feel yes. Yeah.
1: But it, it, it feels like I feel baller as hell like when I'm preparing When you nail it. Yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just like boom, freaking killing it. But yeah, it takes forever to get there but everything feels like one instrument to me at that point in the process where i'm ready to record it i'm not thinking oh there's my circuit there's my base station there's it's here's my rig like
0: this is one unit
1: so yeah it's it's very satisfying but also so demanding
0: yeah yeah i have One more question from the crowd for you. And no, we're running long here, but it's nuggets of gold. No, I I don't want to take up too much of your time. You got me
1: ranting. It's easy to rant about that. That's
0: good. Um, So, question from the chat is What advice do you have for young producers trying to get their music heard in the current industry?
1: Trying to get it heard? Hmm. Honestly. I wouldn't even really concern yourself with that. I think the most important thing is making the music that you love and, like, you vibe with. For me, I was never concerned with whether anyone would even watch what I was doing. When I first started out, I was shocked that people even watched my videos. I didn't even know anything about Instagram. I was like, oh, I got 50 views. That's pretty cool. You know, for me, I think if you're you're just starting out, just make sure that the content is solid and that you – vibe with it. Don't be overly concerned with how the world's going to respond to you. Um, I think that actually can hinder uh, the whole process and actually can prevent you from succeeding if if you overly concern yourself with other people's opinions. So for me, I think um, part of what really helped me was that I I didn't care at all about, about how I was going to uh, do this. I think it, obviously it's different for everybody what's going to work and how you need to put your music out there. But the best thing to do is just focus on the content, make sure it's amazing quality. Um, don't just put a video on Instagram that's like a still frame and has your song, dude. Right. That's like, come on, you got it. You got to creatively present it, I think. Um, so for me, fortunately, I'm able to perform my production. So for me, that's the visual element. There has to be more than just your song i think you know in rare cases somebody uploads a song that's really great to soundcloud and it just blows up you know i think it's it's the combination of some other kind of visual stimuli that that really helps you present it so just give that some thought think about a unique way that you can present your song um but before all of that it's it's how much you're vibing with what you're doing. Do you like it? Are you listening to it on repeat? Do you already know you're going to push to play again before the song's even over? You got to be really loving your music.
0: Because that comes through. If you're loving your music, like especially watching your performances, like the way you said it, like you feel baller when you're doing it and when you're nailing it, and that comes through. Like you can totally tell. It's after the month of work, putting like like drilling it, putting all the thought into it, feeling confident, and then actually nailing it is just like, You exude the energy so it's so so satisfying
1: thank you i appreciate that
0: yeah uh neon vines thank you so much for being on the show today thank Um, you a lot of people like i I think people really loved uh chatting and and being in the chat and watching this interview um a lot of really great nuggets of advice and if you tuned in later this interview will be up on my youtube channel and on 343 labs youtube channel um post show processes for a little bit and the whole show will be up but you can always rewind and watch the whole thing anything you want to shout out like where should people go i have your youtube channel linked in the description but anything in particular they should be checking yeah, out yeah
1: if if you guys can subscribe to my youtube that would be dope that's yeah. i'm trying to grow my youtube so yeah youtube or instagram or anything like that yeah
0: neon that'd vines awesome. on everything right thank you yes yeah perfect perfect Go follow Neon Vines. Watch this interview later if you didn't catch the beginning of it. And also check out 343labs.com, Music Production School. And if you like more streams, go to youtube.com slash 343labs. We're streaming every single day. Tutorials, um, interview show like this. uh, All good stuff. Every single day at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern, you can watch a live stream and level up your music production skills on youtube.com slash 343labs. So go check that out. Anyway, again. Dope. Neon Vines, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Thank you to everybody for watching. For now, this has been another episode of Tetro Talks. Have a good one. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to that interview with Neon Vines. I left the interview super inspired, and I think that that is a benefit of having this really cool interview show it's not just for the audience Um, i'm also getting inspired about hearing these artists process all that good stuff if you haven't yet make sure you check out neon vines pages and all that good stuff her youtube channel her instagram her live performances are epic so be sure to check her out she's really dope Tune in to the show live, youtube.com slash Tatro every Tuesday, interviewing different guests, also doing call-in shows with the community. And finally, don't forget to check out controlfreakclub.com where you can pick up some really cool apparel featuring some cool gear, some cool designs. Um, It's stuff that I'm rocking currently, and I think that you will like it too if you're into the stuff that I do. So controlfreakclub.com, check that out if you haven't yet. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Tatro. Have a good one.